All right. Well, again, welcome to Friendship. Uh, my name is Andrew. So glad that you are here. Um, you know, I, I got a little crazy today because the temperatures dipped under, I don't know, 85, and I decided to throw on a jacket. I'm like, man, it's cold here. What's going on? Uh, man, it's awesome. So good to see you here tonight. Uh, we are starting this new series called Crushed because one of the things that we believe as a church, one of the things we believe deeply is that in Christ, full life can be found. Amen? That was a pretty weak Saturday night. Amen. Hey, let's try it one more time because I know you all think it's Sunday morning. It's Saturday night. We believe that in Christ, full life can be found. Amen? Amen. There we go. You're awake. All right. Um, But here's the deal. We also understand the reality that life is full of hard stuff, right? Man, difficult circumstances. For some, it's financial struggle. Um, it can be a job loss, you know, health issues for, for some of us. M- maybe it's exhaustion from taking care of, of little ones at home. Maybe it's exhaustion from taking care of aging parents. Um, failures in your life, fights, relational difficulties, disappointment. Man, we know that this is part of life, right? It, it hits all of us. None of us are immune to difficulty and disappointment. Even those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, may we're not immune to difficulty in life. That's the reality. And having a relationship with God does not guarantee a pain-free life. So how many of you, have have you ever been there? Like some of you are maybe right there now. Because the reality is you've dealing with disappointment and discouragement in your life, either you've come out of that recently, you're in the thick of it right now, or it's right around the corner, right? That's just how life is. We deal with disappointment and discouragement all the time. We never get past that, this side of heaven. We get defeated. We get let down by people, circumstances. Some of us would even say let down by God himself. And you know what? If if you're there, if you've been there that's okay, because we all go through that in our lives. These times where we feel like our spirit, not just, you know, we go through ups and downs, but I'm talking about times when you feel like your spirit is crushed. You know what I'm talking about? Deflated and defeated. And man, what's, what, what's next? What do I do now? The life has been sucked out of me. Typically, we we handle disappointment, discouragement in one of two ways. One of the things we do is sometimes we we fall into a hole, right? Just despair and discouragement. We we put ourselves in a hole. We don't think we're ever going to be able to get out of it. And so despair sets in. Sometimes what we do is rather than falling into a hole, we grit our teeth. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we're just dogged determination. I'm just going to push through this. I'm going to get through this discouragement in my life. And I would argue that both of those ways are unhealthy. Both of them are unhealthy. And so this is what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks in this series, Crushed. What do we do when our spirits are crushed? How do we handle disappointment and discouragement in life in a healthy way, in a way that honors God? That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, The book of Psalms. The largest book in the Bible. It's 150 chapters right in the middle of your Bible. It's my favorite book uh, in the Bible because what you find in the book of Psalms, the word psalm literally just means song. Okay, so the book of Psalms was 
was like the songbook for the nation of Israel. These were kind of their worship songs. And if you know anything about music, not every song is like high energy, upbeat, like life is great, right? There's, there are songs about disappointment and breakups, and then there's country music, right? <laughs> Your dog died. You know, all, man. So not every song that, that is a worship song deals with high energy, life is great, because what you see in the Psalms that I love about the book of Psalms is it's not just a song book for God's people. It really helps us to know how to handle life's ups and downs and like our emotional ups and downs. What do we do with our disappointment and our frustration and our anger and our bitterness? Where is God when we're disappointed? That's what the series is all about because we all deal with it. And so I love the book of Psalms. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at different Psalms and how the psalmist went through circumstances and situations and how the psalmist dealt with it. Because here's the reality. I don't care what you are dealing with, the difficulty of whatever you are going through. It's not more than the psalmist have gone through. Uh, what we go through is no different than what people throughout all of history have gone through, and we find in the Psalms a way to express and deal with that. Here's the theme verse that I want to show you this, this I was going to say this morning, okay, caught myself, this evening, right? Psalm 34, verse 18. This is going to be our theme verse for this whole series. I would strongly encourage you to memorize and run to this truth when you deal with disappointment. Here is what the verse says. The Lord is what? Near to the brokenhearted. And what's that next word? Saves the crushed in spirit. This, the truth behind this scripture, it speaks to God's proximity and his power. His proximity, which means how close is he? How close is he? Where does it say he is? He's near. And it talks about his power. Okay, he, he He's not just near, he's not just observing and witnessing, but he actually literally has power to save and to redeem and to pull you out of your discouragement. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Can we we say that together tonight? Okay, three, two, one, let's read it together. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Because you know what happens? When we get discouraged, these two truths, the Lord's proximity and the Lord's power, these tend to be the two things that we totally lose track of. Like that we totally forget about when we're discouraged, when we're frustrated. We forget that the Lord is, he's not far off. He's not distant. He isn't like taking a nap in heaven while we're going through our stuff. No, the Lord is near. Whether you feel it or not, he is near. And, man, he saves the crushed in spirit. And so us trying to, like, in our own strength, get through our disappointment. Like, listen, the only person that has the power to save us when we are crushed in spirit, is the Lord. And so the Lord is near the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So this week, we're going to look at, that's just the theme verse, okay? I want to encourage you again to memorize that, run to that truth. But this week, we're going to look at Psalm 42. 
All right, Psalm 42. And so we're going to read this. And I want you to follow along as we read through Psalm 42. There's 11 verses here, all right? So here we go. It says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And remember, this is a song. These are like song lyrics. This is like, this is like a prayer from the writer to God. He says, My soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 11, the psalmist comes to this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So here's what I want us to see tonight from this psalm. There's three conversations that are taking place here. Three conversations that when we deal with discouragement, man, these, these conversations come. Two of them in particular come up almost every time we're discouraged and disappointed. One of them is, is really our key to getting through it. Here's, here's the first conversation that we see taking place here. It's from the enemy to you. It's from the enemy to you. And the question the enemy poses, we see it twice here, is this. Where is your God? Where is your God? I want you to look at verse, verse number three. The psalmist says, my tears have been my food day and night while they, talking about his adversaries, enemies, others, other people, while they say to me all the day long, what do they say? Where's your God? Where is your God? Verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, what do they say? Where's your God? Where is he? Is he for real? Is this God that you claim to follow, that you give your Sunday mornings and your Saturday nights to? Is this God for real? Where is he? In the midst of all of your stuff, in the midst of your struggle, where's your God? This is the conversation that happens from the enemy to you. The enemy. Okay, we're talking about literally God's enemy, Satan, which literally just means adversary. One of his titles in scripture that we see is he's called the accuser. The accuser. He accuses you and I, those of us who follow Jesus, he is constantly, day and night, accusing you and me before God. And before others, and even before to ourselves, he's accusing us. Like, man, God is not for you. You don't deserve this. You are not worthy. Listen, 
when you go through discouragement and frustration and disappointment, there are voices that are going to creep up from the enemy saying, man, where is your God? Is he for real? You know what I'm talking about? You will have the voices of the enemy because here's what the enemy wants. The enemy of God, who if we are following after Jesus, is our enemy as well. Here's, here's his game plan from the very start, from the garden, is to cause us to doubt God and who he is. Because if we will doubt who God and who he is and his proximity and his power, man, we will walk away from that God that we claim to worship. The only God who can actually deliver us from our discouragement. And so the first conversation that happens for all of us is the enemy to us saying, where is your God? And we know the answer to that, right? Based on Psalm 34, verse 18, where is he? He's near. Listen, he is near. He is not far off. He is near. That's the first conversation. Here's the second conversation that we see the psalmist referring to here. It's not just the enemy to you. It's you to God. And you see the psalmist Man, he is real and he is raw as he writes these words. And the question that he poses to God is what? Why? Why? Have you ever asked God why? Maybe not out loud. Maybe not to somebody else. But in your heart, you are going, God, why? Why am I going through this? Why are you not intervening? Why is this taking so long? Why does this hurt so much? You been there? The psalmist has. He says in verse number nine, as real as you can be, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Here's the second conversation that happens when we go through discouragement. It's from us to God. And so many times, maybe regularly, the conversation goes like this, from us to God. God, why? God, why? And here's what I want to tell you tonight. I don't want to tell you that it's wrong to say that. I want to tell you that it is okay for you to question God and, get, and say, God, why? I don't get it. It is okay for you to question God and ask why. But here's here's the warning that I want to give you and myself, that we have got to be prepared that when we ask God why, we may not get an answer to our specific question. We may never on this side of heaven get the answer that we want to hear. In fact, God may decide to question us. God may decide to ask us a question or two. Because, listen, Here's what we got to know. When you go through disappointment in your life, when I go through disappointment, my automatic response is like, man, life is hard. Life is not good right now. And I want to I get this through our heads that when we go through tough stuff, that does not mean that life is not good. When life doesn't go exactly the way that we want it to go, that does not mean that life is not good. Because have you ever looked back on a situation and there was a prayer you were praying or something you were hoping for and God did not answer it? And you look back and you go, God, thank you for not answering that prayer the way I wanted because I had no clue 
what could have happened. I mean, I'm going to date myself here, but I remember back in the day, there was an old Garth Brooks song. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Thank God for what? You know what it was? Unanswered prayers, all right? Talking about, man, country music in the South. Okay, I should not dog country music in South Carolina, right? I know. But listen, just because things don't go the way that we want them to go in the moment does not mean that God is not near and that God is not for us and that God is not working things together for our good. Because listen, sometimes our kids, or when you were a kid, you asked for something that you wanted and your parents said no, or you as a parent say no, and you say that out of love, right? And sometimes God doesn't answer questions the way that we want him to answer it. and sometimes he will throw questions at us because he wants to know where our heart is in fact I want to take it to Job chapter 38 Job if you know anything about the book of Job a guy who was as righteous as 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 anybody you see in scripture and yet he went through incredible turmoil and tragedy in his life and he wants to know why And God comes along in Job 38, one of the most incredible passages in all of Scripture, where God responds. God, literally through 37 chapters, does not say a word to Job or his friends about why he's going through what he's going through. Chapter 38, God speaks up and answers. Here's what he says, Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And here's what he said. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. Hey, Job, get ready, boy. Put your big boy pants on. Here we go. And he says this, I will do what? Question you. All right, you've been asking me questions. You're asking me why. Okay, my turn. Let me ask you some questions, Job. You make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, Job, if you have understanding. Where were you? Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning star, the angels, sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? He's talking about when he created the earth, the heavens and the earth. And God says, Job, where were you? Who who was the one who was measuring out? All of this, when creation was laid out, when all the the angels of heaven were worshiping at creation. And he says in verse verse number 8, Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, for the sea. He says, I set limits for it and and set bars and, and, uh, sorry, um, verse, verse number 10, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you ever been to the beach and wondered, like, okay, why does, uh, beyond all the science behind it, why doesn't, why do the waves, like, stop where they stop? It's because God says, here's the boundary. Here's the limit. And you're only going to go past this when when I let you. Verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Drop down to verse 18, he says, have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. You know what's going on right here? God is questioning Job. God has been silent, apparently, this whole time. When Job is going through, enduring all this adversity and asking questions, And God seems like he's been totally silent and totally absent. 
And God speaks up, and he goes, <clears throat> no, I'm here. I'm nearby. I've seen all this. I've heard all this. I have been right here. But let me remind you of something. Let me remind you of my power. You see it over and over. It says, where were you when I was laying the foundations of the earth? And he goes through. You look at this whole chapter. God, over and over and over and over. He's not answering the question of Job. But you know what he's doing? He's reminding him of his incredible power. Do you see it? He's, he's reminding him, I am near and I am powerful. And you can question my ways, and I get that. But listen, I am the one who created the heavens and the earth, and I created you, and I know what's best. And so would you trust me? Would you trust me? You're not alone. I'm not far off. I am right here. And I have the power to move. And I will move in my time and for your good and for my glory. And so that second conversation that we have that is so hard is from us to God and is why. But here is the third conversation that some of us never get to. This is what is the point of this psalm. This is what the psalmist comes to. It's the conversation that you have with yourself. You to yourself. And here's what he says twice in the psalm. He questions God, but then he comes back over and over. Do you see it? He says this in verse number five. He says, why are you cast down? Oh, my what? Oh, my soul. How many of you ever talked to yourself before? <laughs> okay. We all talk to ourselves, right? We all do that. The psalmist is talking to himself. He's having a conversation with his soul. And he says in verse number five, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He, he's not questioning God now. He's, he's, he's talking to his soul. And he says, why are, you, why are you disappointed? Why are you frustrated? Why are you hurt? And then he answers this question. He turns his own gaze to heaven. And he says this. Would you say these three words with me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse number 11, same thing. Again, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Say these three words with me. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So instead of questioning, he moves from questioning God, from making, from, from, from making questions to making statements. Okay, catch this. He stops questioning God. He's questioning his soul. He begins to make statements of truth. He starts to remind, he starts making declarations. You know what his declarations are? This is what I know. This is who God is. This is who he is. This is what he has done. And I can put my hope in him. I can put my hope in him. This is who God is, this is what is true, and I will praise him. I will praise him. He is my salvation. He is my God. And so he, he has this conversation with himself where he says, why are you so troubled? Why are you? you know what he's doing? What, listen, so many of us, we don't have this conversation when we get frustrated. We just get angry, and our, 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 
Our conversations go outward to other people and our anger spills out to other people. And we never stop to look into our soul and go, why in the world are you so bothered by what is going on right now? Why are you in so much turmoil? And listen, when the psalmist did this, you know what happened? He began to look at his heart. He began to open his heart to God and he started making declarations. Here's what I know is true. Here's who I know God to be. He is near. He is powerful. He loves me. He is for me. He is with me. And start making declarations of truth. He is my salvation and my God. This is the key, man, to getting through our disappointment. It's to stop listening to the questions of the enemy And stop questioning God, but moving to a place where we start questioning our souls and we start making declarations. Declarations based on the word of God, what we know to be true and right. Even when our feelings and our emotions are all over the place. Hope in God. And so so let me, for just a couple minutes, let let me try to make this super practical. How do I survive? How do you survive disappointment? Okay, taking the model of what the psalmist shows us in Psalm 42, how do we survive disappointment? Let me say the first thing is this, thirst for God. Thirst for God. We kind of skipped over it, but you look at the first two verses of Psalm 42. This is the declaration the psalmist makes in Psalm 42, verse 1. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The very first thing you see from the psalmist before anything ever hits the fan is he says, I have a soul thirst for God. My soul is thirsty. My soul longs for God. So when he goes through the struggle, when he goes through the disappointment, when he goes through the frustration, Man, he is already, he's, he's already grounded in this, this love and passion and desire to follow God and for God to have his way in his life. Thirst for God. It all starts here. It starts with cultivating this. So this is why we do what we do on Sundays and Saturdays. It's why you should get into the Bible during the week, cultivating like this thirst for God, cultivating it. Listen, here's, here's something that you can do. When you go through disappointment, read the book of Psalms and just dive in. God, I don't know what's going on, but bury your nose in the book and God's word and, and ask him, God, would you help me to thirst for you? Because I know that you're my rock and you're my salvation. You're my only way out of this. So, man, thirsting for you. That starts before you even go into seasons of difficulty. Or maybe you're in a season. Hey, Turn your, your soul's longing towards God. Thirst for God. That's one way you start to, to survive disappointment. Here's the second thing. Hope in God. It's what he says. Hope in God. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead. All right. Um, number two is this. Get honest with God. Get honest with God. You see the psalmist who is not afraid. Listen, here's why I love the psalms. You, you see these psalms that start out where the psalmist, man, he is 
hot. Like he is angry at God and he expresses it. Again, get honest with God. One of the worst things you can do when you go through turmoil, when you go through difficulty, is to put on the shiny happy face and act like you're fine and not be real with God, with others, and with yourself. You know what we want at Friendship? We want this to be a place where it is okay for you to not be okay. But listen, here's the truth. It's not okay for us to stay there. And the thing that we have is hope in Jesus who can deliver us. But it starts by, listen, we've got to be honest with God. We've got to not be afraid to be real with him. Listen, God can handle your questions. God can handle your angst and your frustration. But it starts with getting honest with him. Ask questions. But realize this. You may not get the answers you want. You may not get the answers you're looking for. What you may get instead are reminders from God that he is near and that he is strong and he is for you. So thirst for God, get honest with God. Here's the third thing, hope in God, hope in God. So when disappointment comes, and listen, there's nothing wrong with you if you go through disappointment. There's nothing, it just means you're a part of the human race. Here's the problem, is when we do nothing about our disappointment, when we let it fester and hang around, you know what it leads to? It leads to hopelessness. Disappointment, if left unchecked, leads to hopelessness. And hopelessness is deadly. Like, we know this. When you feel hopeless, man, people take their lives because they feel hopeless. Right? Disappointment leads to hopelessness. But let me say it this way. And you know this. I know you know this. You and I will always be disappointed if we put our hope, if we put our trust, if we put our confidence in other people or circumstances or our job or ourselves, you and I will always be disappointed because other people and other things cannot carry the weight of hope. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can bear the weight of our hope. So hope in God. Hope in God. Let me take you through this real quick. Preach the gospel to yourself. This is one of the things I say all the time. You want to you help yourself? You want to talk to yourself? Preach the gospel to yourself. You know what the gospel is? Real quick. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again, right? So preaching the gospel to yourself is this. In the midst of disappointment is saying, Jesus came. Like, listen, Jesus came for me. He loves me. And Jesus died. Like, he has forgiven me, and he's adopted me. He's brought me into his family. He's not far away. He's given his life for me, and he has risen from the dead. In other words, he has given me power over sin and over death and over all the discouragement and frustration I face. He is not finished with me yet. So you know what you and I need to do in the midst of discouragement? To put our hope in God, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. 
Jesus came. He loves me. He died for me. He's forgiven me and cleansed me of my sin. He's put me into his family. He's risen again. Listen, y'all. He has taken away not just the sting of death, but the power of sin in your life and mine. Preach the gospel to yourself. So let me, let me, let me bring us to our bottom line, and it's simple. When disappointment comes, what do we do? Put your hope in God. When disappointment comes, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Let me remind us one more time of Psalm 34, verse 18. Can we read this verse all together one more time? Three, two, one. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Do you believe it? Do you believe that when you are brokenhearted, you are not alone? But God is near. That may be when he is the nearest to you. Maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you don't sense it. The truth is that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he has the power to save. He has the power to rescue. He has the power to take your crushed spirit and breathe life into it again. And Father God, on the Saturday night, we come to you and we open our hearts to you. You know where we are. You know every sigh of our heart. You know the the secret places where we're discouraged, where we're disappointed angry, where we're bitter. God, you know the things that we've been holding on to for the last few days. Lord, you know the things that we've been holding on to for years. And God, tonight we want to confess. We want to believe that you are near and you have the power to save. So, Lord, we, we lift up every crushed spirit in this place tonight, asking that you would meet us where we're at, that you would remind us of your power, that you would remind us of your nearness, that you would remind us that you are for us. So, Lord, tonight we come to you with hearts that are honest real and laid bare before you. And so, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you help us? Or tonight to put our hope 